I grew up in Ohio back east, a black Angus farm. That was the thing about football, man. It was a great outlet for me. If I wasn't in the woods, I was on the field. The whole defensive line's in a meeting, and I, I was really close to my D-line coach, so I would just do my meetings from my tree stand. Welcome to the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Danny Ferris, with my sidekick, Evan Williams. And today I'm super excited because we have Super Bowl 50 champion and my Denver, my favorite Denver Broncos lineman for the last 10 years on here with us. And while he was playing, and I, I'm a Broncos fan. I don't know if you guys out there even know it. I live in Colorado. I'm a Broncos fan, have been for a long time. Um, I watched Derek, Derek Wolf play for the last 10 years. And I, you know, he's just a beast. Like he is the scariest looking dude on the field. Like he, you know, I used to call him the wolf man. I don't know if that's ever been your nickname or not, but you look like a freaking wolf man. You look like a Viking <laughs> or a werewolf that, especially with the black paint that you throw on with your beard and everything. And you look like you wanted to eat quarterbacks. Anyway, I had no idea that you were a bow hunter. Had had no idea that you this was an interest or anything till like a year ago. All of a sudden, my son, who was playing college ball, he's like, dude, dad, Derek Wolf is a serious hunter. And I was oh, like, yeah. really? Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, just like my son who, you know, his career just ended and he went bananas this fall because he has been deprived of fall hunting for his entire life, basically, since he was old right. enough to really hunt and me and you jumped on the phone the other day and number one the the one of the coolest things that i thought about you was that your persona on the field like i said is ultra intimidating and just you look like a, a beast but when i'm talking to you it's a completely different dude totally <laughs> down to earth totally cool totally into hunting and it sounds to me like you've gone bananas just like my son, you know, oh, like yeah. now you're, you're unleashed and you are going to chase your other it's path. freedom. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. It's, uh, you know, that was the thing about football, man. It was a great outlet for me. Um, you know, I had a rough childhood, so that was like, it was a great outlet. If I wasn't in the yeah. woods, I was on the field. So that those, those are the two things that I was doing, you know, and I grew up in Ohio back East. So Western hunting seems so out of like, it was never going to happen for me, you know? growing up as a kid yeah. it's like how am i ever going to afford to like I, I my first time getting on an airplane was my freshman year of college i never even flew on a plane before i was like how am i going to get to colorado and hunt an elk like that seems so <laughs> out of touch for me you know yeah and then yeah. and then and then then you go to college like i got to hunt in high school here and there you know days off or stuff you know just i lived on a black angus farm so you know we get we had this like a deer stand we called the deer slayer we just got there and whacked some deer but you know for the most part you know, it was just uh, off season going down to like Texas or, you know, hunting access deer, stuff like that. That was really the only pigs and stuff like that. That was the only hunting I really got to do. Um, yeah. But then when I went to Maryland for the last two years to play in Baltimore, you could kill as many deer as you want there. Like you could just <laughs> yeah. hammer deer all year round. It's or not all yeah. year round, but all season from September yeah. 9th all the way till the end of January, you can hammer deer. And you Were get three bucks on the number of bucks. Okay. So three, three, buck three tags bucks and then unlimited. Yeah. And it, 
And and it it wasn't even it wasn't like one a day. It was just if you want to yeah, keep you shooting, just hammer them all day long because there's so many deer. So yeah. that's so I got I like really got back into it again. Finally, I was I was yeah. into it, but I just didn't have the time, you know. And and then you know during COVID, we did all our meetings like just like this via Zoom. Yeah. So there'd be you know the whole defensive lines in a meeting, and I, I was really close to my D line coach, so I would just do my meetings from my tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> so I just put the ear, I'd put I'd put the earbuds in and he knew I wasn't going to be talking so I was yeah. just and I killed a couple deer doing that it was pretty fun oh, <laughs> it was man. a good time so that's when I got back into it it's and then, so cool um you know my wife knew that I really wanted to to hunt an elk in my first off season being yeah. or my first uh non-season right my first year yeah. being retired she knew that in September I was going to want an elk hunt an elk so last year for Christmas she gifted me a landowner tag down in uh, Unit 34 in New Mexico. Sweet. And it oh, was, you, uh, you know, I was like, I was so fired up for it. It was me and my my best friend growing up, you know. So we got to go. We got to go and I got my first elk, got it all on footage. I uh, got great footage of it. Um, that'll be all that stuff. is. I have a ton of stuff on footage, too. That's going to be launching in, um, in January, at the end of January, probably. Because um, so, I partnered with Go Hunt to do that. So go hunts running all my production and stuff like that. So right on. Awesome. That, that bull is a nice bull too. You, you kind of got screwed with him because that is a hammer five point. And I know he was like 320. He was like a 320 inch five by at a glance. You would swear that has to be a six point. That's the kind of bull that you shoot and you walk up and you're like, Mm -hmm. where's the other point? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. His bottoms are spectacular. Well, and that's the other thing about, about me is I don't, when I, when I hunt and I, when I, when I decide like, Hey, I, this, I'm going to pull it, I'm going to pull a trigger on this one. Yeah. I don't ever think about the, I don't ever think about how many points does he have? What's he going to score? Yeah. It's all about, you feel it inside, right? It's like, when you see something, if it gets you mm-hmm. going, you know, that that's you know right. he's the one, that's the one we want to take that one. And You're I passed exactly up a lot right. of bulls that whole week. You know, that, that unit is loaded with bulls. It was like Jurassic park back there. They were just screaming is- all day long. That is the best way to be. There's nothing that bothers me more than seeing, you know, the, the social media and and media in general and our access to things has turned it sometimes to where you'll see these younger kids that like hammer a 140 inch whitetail buck and they're like, oh, man, you know, they, they got buddies that give them crap about it. That's like, dude. shut up, dude. Yeah. When a 120 inch deer walks by, you get your heart gets pumping. All right. I don't yeah. care what you say. I don't care what yeah. anybody says, how many big deer you've killed. When you see antlers, especially with whitetail, because they're so sneaky, you know, you don't ever, you don't even hear them. You just see them. And when yeah. they finally show up, man, it is your heart. And listen, my heart starts pounding. I try to tell people, I'm like, <laughs> listen, I'm like, listen, my, I shooting that elk. I cried. Like when I got up on yeah. him and got my hands on him, I started crying because I was so happy. And it was like a childhood dream coming true. Dude, I, had sacked, I, I won a Super Bowl. Got a sack yeah. in the Super like getting a sack in the Super Bowl as a defensive lineman, that's like your childhood dream, right? Like I, I always dreamed of like sacking yep. a quarterback in the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. And like when I when I started watching, when I started playing football, it was 1997. So the Green Bay Packers were my team. And Reggie yeah. White was like, I loved Reggie White, right? So I I was watching Reggie White run around with his mm-hmm. with his shoulder pads on still, and he put that that championship uh t-shirt on over his pads. So that's yeah. like I'm doing that and I'm gonna run around with the Lombardi. I'm gonna make it happen. It's going to happen yeah. for me. I know it. And it did. And I got to do that. But dude, that elk shooting that elk was better. 
<laughs> it was better. Dude, I'm not lying to you. It was no. better. Yeah, yeah. Like more intense. You could keep repeating. It was just like the the sense of the sense of accomplishment, right? Because it was uh it was a five day hunt. I had a 60 miles on my feet in five days. Like yeah. really got after it, man. My boots were soaking wet because I got stuck in a rainstorm the day before. Didn't bring extra boots. I wear a size 15, so like you, not a lot of boots to choose from. You're not gonna right? find them. If anywhere. you find one yeah. pair, you better grab them. And, yeah, you know, and it's that's just kind of how it goes. And you know, I was just soaked to the bone, right? My clothes were still dripping. I had sweated everything out already, and it was like yeah. this: it's either gonna happen today or it's not. Because I kept going after herd bulls, and satellites kept coming in there and screwing it up, and they'd chase off. He'd run off with his cows, you know. So that just kept sure. happening over and over again. But I was, I don't. I, it's weird because I don't get fired up in the moment. It's afterwards. Like yeah. In the moment, I'm like so right. locked in and. And constant the concentration level is like at an all-time high. And then I released the arrow. And then I'm like, then all this stuff runs through my head, like, was it a good shot? I hope it was a good shot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. then I'm all sketched out about it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of penetration I got. And it's like I'm pulling a, I'm shooting that Hoyt High line and I'm pulling 80 pounds on it with a 33 inch draw. Like I could shoot Holy a butter smokes. knife through it and get penetration. So I should <laughs> yeah. never be worried about penetration, you know. But I just like all those things run through my head because you know how it is hunting whitetail, man. Like you think you shot them perfect, and they, elk and elk and whitetail. Seventeen, they're, yeah. they're so different. Those yeah, two toughest. Those are the two toughest animals on the continent, in my opinion. Are are elk and whitetail? They can do Absolutely. incredible things after the shot. Their will to live is something else. It's um, incredible. I've seen deer mm -hmm. run around with their guts hanging out for a day, yeah. for a whole yeah. day, you yeah. know. And then finally, the coyotes get them. It's just wild. Yeah. To me. And then elk, well, uh, you know, people brisket shot them, shoot them all the time. Then you find th those big giant elk, they've been shot at a bunch of times. They got broadheads sticking in them all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, it can be nuts. You, you know, you mentioned Maryland and being able to shoot as many deer as you wanted to. And this is something that I've said for a long time. In some ways, us Western guys are at a disadvantage. And that's because we, I, I, you know, I have one deer tag typically a year if i draw here in my home state of colorado uh i have an elk tag yep. um antelope tag if i'm lucky enough to have a place to hunt antelope where they're over the counter and so literally if i have a good year in colorado uh i maybe maybe shot three animals maybe and the the cool thing mm -hmm. about guys that live out in those states where you can take multiple animals like that is they get a lot of string time, man. I mean, yeah. it, it, there is nothing that teaches you more than close encounters and actually drawing back and shooting. You know yep. what I mean? Which is part mm -hmm. of why I hate this trend that I was just talking about a, a minute ago where, you know, everybody's got to, you know, they, they've got to focus on, I, on, on a mature old animal or something like that. Because in the beginning of your bow hunting career, it's a, you're on a journey. And at the beginning, you yeah. should be knocking shit down. Yes. If it's brown, it's dead. You need to, dude, be, my first you need to get like experience. This. Yeah. My first one yeah. was like that. I was 13 years old and I, I was so fired up. And, and I guess uh, the point is in a state like that, you can get the same amount of experience actually taking animals in one year as it takes some guys in the West their entire career to, to build up. You know, oh, well, just I killed. I, yeah. I got. I had six. I put sixteen deer down last year. All bow or some with rifle. 
nine with a bow. The other ones with the, was with nine a with bow. Legend, we'll see. three fifty legend. Dude, for a kid in Colorado, that's it, it, that's probably fifteen years that's of experience. Huh. Oh, <laughs> you absolutely. Know and what fifteen yeah. years of experience with actually having an animal at close quarters, drawing, have to control your emotions, having to make decisions in the height of that adrenaline rush and everything like that. And there, there's nothing else that duplicates that. You nope. can go out and practice on 3Ds that's, that's all you my, want. That's my last six years. Pardon? That's my last six yeah. years right there. Yeah. It, Which is crazy. It, and, you know, while we're talking about this, the funny thing is, is everybody back east is like, man, you're so lucky you're out there oh. out west, man. You get, to, you get to hunt elk and this and that. I'm like, dude, but you, you don't know. To hunt elk here, you have to just build points like over the, like over the years. Right. If you go hunt over the counter here in Colorado, it's miserable. It's miserable. And I, and I did it. I did it in unit 18 this year. And I, I went four yeah. days and didn't see a deer, not one deer, not one deer. Not one elk. <laughs> yeah. 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 You've got to do not your one. homework. And, and generally speaking, you know, it, you know, what's funny. Cause I used to say all the time, you're, you're going to pay for your animal over the counter in Colorado, in Idaho, a lot of the places that have over-the-counter options. And and usually I would say you're going to pay for it in sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. And what's really funny is over, you know, over the last decade, you've gotten a lot more, you know, guys' information on access to information on how to do this, how to backpack hunt, how mm -hmm. to select your areas. All of those things is so much more available now. A guy can get an education in a month of watching YouTube videos and reading a few online articles and things like that, that it would have taken them years to build up in the past. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're finding these guys up in these areas that I never used to see anybody. And I think that what it's doing is sometimes it's pushing animals into more accessible areas that are being overlooked by people as they're oh, heading yeah. all the way back up into the back. Mm -hmm. So now the mm -hmm. the research the boots on the ground the scouting and finding sign and figuring out what happens to those elk that i'm seeing way up there in that backcountry glassing from five miles away once the first dude goes in there and bumps them where are they going to you know what i mean so you're it's doable i mean we do pretty well on over-the-counter hunts huh evan um but yeah yeah, Every once we, in a while. We, 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 our record is okay. Um, and well, yeah. that's that's the problem though. A lot of guys don't have the time to go put in for the scouting. Yeah, that's exactly right. They don't. And that's my issue. Absolutely. That's my issue yeah. is that I don't have the time to go put in because I have you know like every I have I have a wife who like is could be less she could care less about hunting like that's not she doesn't want to sure. go look at elk right she sure. wants to go snow snowboarding and mountain biking yeah. and hiking and do stuff like that. And I'm like, well, we can go hike and look for elk. Yeah. Danny, Danny and I are the yeah, same she, she way. Could care yep. less about it. With Lisa Ferris, just, just fine. <laughs> yeah. She could care less. Yep. So, so it's like, you know, how do I, how, so how do, what do I do then? All right. So what do you do? You pay a guide, right? Well, then you get into the, there's so many bad guides out there. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I learned in one year, I learned in one year how many bad guides there really are. And I, it just blows my mind. And it, it doesn't Here's, matter what your what animal you're hunting and you're, that you're after. There's bad guides all over the place. There's two things that I would tell you because I I mean you're not the only guy that I've had this discussion with at all as far as time and everything. Number one, get really good at desktop scouting mm -hmm. and go hunt. The uh, op operations yep. like that help you out immensely. Get good at using 
all of the resources that are available to you online doing that desktop scouting. Number two, I always tell people I would rather have an average unit that I am intimately familiar with than a great unit that I don't know crap about. Yep. And I mean, there's something to be said. You go to an area, an over-the-counter unit, the first year that you do it, you don't get into much, but you get into some. The second year, you get into a little bit more. Maybe you didn't fill either tag. The third year, all of a sudden, you know where these animals are going. You know where the hot spots are and where they aren't. You know what I mean? And a lot of the reason that we've had success in the past in over-the-counter areas is because we're going back to the same areas and we know where we get into animals in those areas. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know where, yeah, so you know where to look. It's not, it's not the first year. It might be the fifth year of hunting that thing. Yeah. And now years five through, you know, 10, over 10 years of hunting it, you're, you're actually having some pretty good hunting, you know, yeah. but it's hard. It, there's no doubt. It's freaking hard. If you want to go out, just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go over the counter Western elk hunting and come out here to whichever state that you can get a tag in, you got your work cut out for you the first year. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of, a lot of guys don't realize, you know, like Evan, we were talking, you were talking about training earlier, right? mm -hmm. A lot of guys don't like, that was like my best friend, right? When he came out for this elk hunt, we were in New Mexico and we only got up to like 8,000 feet. Right. And he was wrecked and he's in shape. And I was like, dude, you got to train for this stuff, man. Like you can't just like, you know, sit around eating, eating like crap all day and not taking care of yourself. And then come out here and expect to be able to hike. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be gassed the first day and then you're done. Yeah. And, and your feet are yes. going to be wrecked. you got to train yourself. you got to break your boots in, you know, you got to make sure your pack is like, you got to have a good pack. That's why, that's why I got a hold of Snyder and was like, Aaron, man, I got, I need a good pack. Like what is the best pack for me? And then yeah. he got me in contact with his boy Anders who works for him, for them, mm-hmm. for Kaparu. And Anders is mm-hmm. like six, seven. Yeah. Big so he's boy. like, yeah, I got you. I know exactly what tall guys need. Like I got you. And he was, and it, I was able to pack 120 pounds out, you know, and it was no problem. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, even going down to the hydration, cause especially guys coming from out East, like altitude sickness, like you can, you can do a lot of fighting off by the level of hydration you have going into that hunt. And during that hunt, I carry a three liter water bladder. I've got a Nalgene on my belt pouch and I carry two. 10 liter dromedary bags empty in my pack. So when I get to where I'm going to base camp, I set up camp, everything gets emptied. Those two 10 liter dromedary bags go with me and my hunting partner. We go to our water source, bladders are filled, Nalgene's are filled, both dromedary bags are filled, and we're sitting on 28 liters of water and it lasts us three days. Yeah. Yeah. Between two of us, almost 30 liters of water will only last three days. It's important. That's how much we're going through. Well, that's, the, the, that's funny you say that because I'm drink, I, I have to carry a minimum of a gallon of water on me per day because I wait because I'm 285 pounds out there. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, uh, you know, that's like with the food, right? Like most guys, Evan, how many calories do you think you take in a day on a, on a backpack hunt? I'm, I'm packing 33 to 3,600 calories a okay. day and I'm 5'9", 192, 195. It's usually where I start my hunt at. Right. And I was packing yeah. 5,000 calories with me. Wow. And I was still yeah. hungry. Jeez. So I'm yeah. doing, when it's, I'm doing it's, a peak meal in the, I'm doing a peak meal too, in the morning, cause... a peak meal at night. And then, and then in between, I'm eating green bellies and stuff like that throughout the day. Well, and I'm be still fair, starving. You're coming, you're coming out of an NFL career where you were, you, you had to maintain a certain amount of weight. You're probably yeah. going to walk yeah. around 15 pounds lighter than what you were playing at. You know what yeah. I mean? 
And you're, I mean, for, for the last 20 years of your life, you're used to gorging, like you're used yeah. to, you know, mm-hmm. and your stomach screams at you. If you, if you aren't eating that way, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and it's going to take some time to adapt to that, but you're, you're right. You're man, people grossly underestimate how many calories you go through and that what's, what's necessary when you're on those backcountry deals, especially if you're carrying a pack, if you're carrying it, uh, go, yeah. heading in or out up that steep stuff, you're just burning and burning and burning. Oh, you're hammering calories, man. You're sweating yeah. the whole time, especially in September. Cause it's like 70, 80 degrees. You know? uh-huh. It's not, it's not like you're out there in the cold hiking through anything cold, but even in the snow, man, hiking in the snow is miserable. Yeah. Like it, it is yeah. tough and you burn a lot of <laughs> calories. Dude, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and uh, bring up something me and Derek were talking about the other day. When you're, how tall are you, Derek? I'm six, six. Okay. When you're six, six, 285. You talk about a rough dude to take a photo of a freaking animal with. You, <laughs> yeah. you got a 190 inch mule deer in front of them and it. It looks like a, you know, 140 inch deer, you know? Yeah. It, it, it and, and spotting and stalking. I, I'll tell you right now, spotting and stalking. If you are a small statured dude, you have a Me. big advantage. <laughs> you're not that small statured anymore, boy. You're pretty thick. I'm talking about short and, and thin as a rail. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the lean and mean guys. Like dude, a they can, I'm oh, a, like, hey, I'm like a small kid at heart still, still. you know? Like he's Cam. a perfect guy. That's the kind of guy. He's, that's the kind of guy yeah. that could spot stock and never get seen. When you, you'd be and, surprised, you know, though, man. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you you adapt and you do the best that you possibly can. But there's no two ways about it. You compared to Cam Haynes is like a freaking rhinoceros walking through the woods, you yeah. know. And I've I, I've I told you the other day I've hunted with Justin Tuck and he was defensive man. He's six five and two hundred and seventy five pounds or something like that at the time when I was hunting with him. And I'm stalking behind him and I was like dude, I don't know how this guy's going to stock up on anything. Cause he's just, he is an imposing figure. <laughs> it's you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. You are. There's oh, yeah. no two ways about it. It's harder. My, it's know, harder my, for my you camera to... guy, my like... camera guy, uh, Levi, he's, he's a small guy. And he's always like, dude, how am I supposed to see anything over you? <laughs> over you. He's like, I can't see <laughs> you're anything. You're like, you're, you're not, you have to go around. Yeah. He's like, dude, I can't see. He's like, you have to like slow down and like, let me like get beside you because I can't see anything at all so like that's the other thing when you're hiking with your buddies you know and they're just like dude can you just get the back because i can't see anything in front of me and and i'm not gonna try and keep up with your your pace because of your steps yeah my stride is so much longer than everybody else's and you know my cardio that like i I train hard still i do i do a lot of hit training you know i train four or five times a a week still so you know i stay Mm -hmm. i try to stay in as good a shape as i possibly can Um, yeah my trainer is actually trying to come up with, he's like, dude, I'm going to come up with something that's like specifically for elk hunting for you. Like just something to yeah. do. And we'll call it, we'll call it wolf fit. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. You need to go hit Chad. I'm curious how you would do on Chad. It's a, it's a hero workout. It's a thousand box step ups with a 45 pound pack. Okay. Mm. Mm. I'm down with that. Well, Things like that would be good because honestly, when you're training for football, you're training for burst. You yeah. Got, I mean, overall yeah. endurance. Yeah, overall endurance as well, but uh, you know, primarily burst and well, yeah, what you're doing up, six seconds. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I need there to be able to recover in twenty five seconds, and then I go another six seconds, and then I'm recovering twenty twenty to twenty five seconds. Exactly. So that's like how I trained, you know. So it's like you're doing 
heavyweight and moving it as fast, move as much weight as you can, as fast as you can in six seconds and then stop and then do it again. And then that's kind of how, that's kind of how I train, you know, short sprints, you know, sprint, get back down, sprint again, get back down, sprint again. And now like, just like maintain doing like EMOMs, like 12 minute EMOMs and, you know, 30 minute EMOMs, stuff like that, that, that kind of stuff is like perfect for hiking. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cause cause that elk is a marathon. You know, it's just, it's up, up, up a lot. What, Evan? Well, now we're getting into the stuff that I geek over to as much as, you know, bow setups and and the archery side of it. So, Derek, when you're doing your EMOMs, are you doing 30 or 45 seconds of work with a 15 second rest slash transition period? Or are you going like one, one minute, one minute EMOMs. So whatever I get, if I, whatever the exercises that I got to get done and it could be two or three exercises in that one minute I got to get done. Yep. And like today we did uh, 10, right? It was a 10 minute EMOM or 12 minute EMOM. And it was uh, uh kettlebell strict overhead press for one rep. It's just one rep and then two push presses and then two squat to press or three squat to presses. Gotcha. And then you set them down. You do that 12 times, do that. And then you, then I'd have like, I don't know, 40 seconds of rest, yep. you know, but and, you do that and, over 12 times and you got a lot of using heavier weight, you start feeling it, you know, or like, um, Hold on. Let me read. I have the workout right here. Let me read what else we did. Okay. Cause while he's getting that, so like a lot of the EMOM stuff that I like doing too, is using machines with skill work built in. So it's a set caloric goal on an mm. assault bike or a rower. So it's, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to hit. Yeah. Times five, 12 cows. Yeah. Where it's, yeah, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit X number of calories on the bike. Once I hit that, I'm, I get whatever in that one minute time frame is left. That's my rest. And then, you know, the next movement yep. is I got to get 15 of this specific movement and then I get rest. So the faster I go, the more rest I get. And then I, we've even done some multiple minutes where it's, you know, a set calories with a gymnastic style movement with an Olympic movement built in. And you have a window to accomplish all that mm. increase weight, get your rest in, and then you're going again. Yeah. See, we did. So I'll do the, uh, like, I love the rower because I got all that. Yeah. yeah. And power. I don't I just rip that thing. Mm. 12 cows. Mm. Is yeah. That's like four, four like, poles for cows. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I just rip it. It's done. So we'll do like, like you said, you do, you do a five, a five set, a five minute EMOM, right? So at, every minute on the minute you start, but at, it's the quicker I can get through those 12, the mm-hmm. more rest I have, you know what I mean? So you're, you're actually getting like an, a power element to it, you know? And then like you, what is what is your max calories in one minute on the rower? Have you ever tested it? Uh, no, no. But I did. I could do two thousand meters in six and a half minutes. <gasps> Holy <laughs> shit! Sorry, I'm gonna have to edit that. But <laughs> holy yeah. crap! So, and we've got some big boys in our gym. And when I say big boys, I'm talking. I think I think one of the guys is six three. He's in that two forty ish range. Um, he's power cleaning three fifteen. He's deadlifting, I think five fifteen for five. And he has done. I've seen six like high six fifties for a two thousand. And that was him like all out one hundred percent. The the last like the mm. last couple hundred just to stay under that seven minute mark. Mm. My my best two thousand meters I think is seven thirty two. Especially which is especially which with is his still little rolling, dinosaur like, arms. To do it in six thirty. To do it in six thirty, like I dude I, I oh I'm and, wrecked yeah. I'm wrecked afterwards. Like I'm wrecked. It takes me like yeah, three minutes to recover. 
That's your entire <laughs> workout. You're like, okay, we're done. Well, like today's workout started oh, wow. out with a 4,000 meter bike ride. Right. And I did that in seven minutes and it, and dude, my quads were just like, like engulfed, like they were just so swollen. And then, and then I go into push press. I do. So we do push presses and then 500 count. So five push presses. And I go for, I start at 245 and work my way up to like 285 for five reps. And after, so you do your push five push presses and then you go onto the, onto the, onto the row or do 500 rows, no rest. You go straight back <laughs> onto the, onto the push presses. You're push you know, pressing what I can clean. Well, dude, when, dude, my, well, here's the, so my senior year of college, yeah. I was voted the strongest kid in football. Like the, I was the strongest in football. Oh my god! I was bench Jeez. pressing 475 pounds for sets of 10. Like Holy it was, cow. it was nothing. I was squatting 675 for sets of six and seven, like doing sets with it. My hand clean was like, I was hand clean. That's how you blow an O-ring. I was, I was just <laughs> crazy strong. Yep. And uh, like, well, I still, when I do cleans, when I do cleans now, like I still do, like, I still don't yeah. ever go. Like I go 275 to like 365. That's like my range. You know, like I stay in that range. And I do sets of threes and fives and stuff like that. But that, that's just the, like, I, I'm just naturally strong anyways. Like, dude, I grew up on a black Angus farm in high school. That's what I did in high school. So like tossing yeah. fucking hay bales, excuse yeah. me. Tossing hay bales around was like, you know, that's what we did. You know, hay bales and logs and stuff like that. Like they were just always, and I wrestled too. So like my hip, I got good hips and, and stuff you, like that. But I did have you, two, you, two hips. You had this good year, hips. So I'm just now getting back into being squat, on a squat yeah. again. Are you from big people? Well, my mom's 5'11". I don't know who my dad. And she, yeah. I don't know who yeah. my dad is. Yeah. So I don't well, know if he's, he's um, got to be a big guy. It, that's insanely strong. 675 for six or whatever. I can't. Oh, my goodness gracious. No wonder you're having hips. Well, everything we did in college was max reps. Yeah. There was never like a set of you just went until you couldn't go anymore. Everything you did. Yeah. It didn't matter if you're doing a, a hamstring curl or a, a like a neck machine, any of that. It was all to max reps. Everything yeah. was to failure. Yeah. So. Over all these years, if we were to ask you, you know, how your your what on the football field has prepared you for what you're doing out in the woods, bow hunting now? I mean, there's parallels. There's a lot of parallels. A ton of parallels. That's why it's such a great transition. It's uh, hunting was like retirement. I thought was going to be a lot dif more difficult than it than it's been. You know, sometimes I miss I miss the violence. Yeah. It's really what I miss. I just miss the violence. Oh, it's of the game. funny. And I was, I was but, talking to you the other day about for whatever reason, it might just be an anomaly, but the guys, the, the NFL players that I know who have been the biggest bow hunters seem to be defensive guys. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a mindset, but it's torture. I, I mean, like, we love to uh, torture ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you think about it when you pass, when you're, when you're a D lineman, there's a reason why guys don't get, you know, 20 sacks every year yeah, or 50 sacks every year. Right. Whenever think about how many times you get to pass rush in a game, you might get like 15, 20 chances to pass rush. You might, you're lucky to win one. Yeah. 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 So you fail over, you do everything right. And the quarterback still throws the ball, right? Yeah. yeah. You get there in under three seconds and he still throws the ball, right? It's the same in bow hunting. You just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and finally it's going to work. It's going to it's going to work, right? Yeah, it's the, right. It's the persistence. You, all, right, all right, this one it didn't work this way, so I got to change something. There's something little I'm doing wrong, right? So let me let me see what you you go back and watch film on yourself, reevaluate it, and figure out a way. Okay, here's what I was doing wrong. Maybe if I take a different step here, place my hands here, smack his hand this way, and get my hips flipped this way, and accelerate that way, 
and reach with this hand, I might be able to touch the ball and slow him down from throwing it, you know, stuff like that. Right. And it's the same way with bow hunting. You go out and you do, you just like kill yourself over and over again all day long, trying to get on these bulls or trying to get, trying to spot and stalk uh, mule deer, or whatever animal you're after. You, you're going to, you're going to screw it up 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if you're, absolutely. if you're, if you have 10% success, that's huge. That's why you look at the archery success in these units, even, even great units. Yeah. Like if you see a 20% success rate, you're like, Whoa. Yeah. And I usually that's there, right. A lot of times that's including female animals. Yeah. You know, exactly. not just, not, not, <laughs> not just mature bulls or, you know, mature bucks, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. It's hard to figure out what the success is on those. If you got somebody who's uh, pretty, pretty uh, regularly successful on those kind of animals, they are a beast. Yeah. They, that, that's oh. a guy that you don't want chasing you with a bow. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and, and the other thing is I just like, when you're a defensive player, man, like there's just this like no quit mentality. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what, because think about it. Like I'm too, I, I played at 290, 295, sometimes 300. Like it just depended on what, if it was Thanksgiving or, <laughs> you know, it didn't, right. sometimes I'd be 300, sometimes I'd be 290. It just, it just did, like 10 pounds when you're that heavy is like really not a big swing. It's really not that much weight. Right. So think about it. You got, so I'll take you back to the Raiders one time. We played the Raiders one year. I think it was 2019. It was the first game of the year playing them on the baseball field. Right. You remember the baseball field? No, oh, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Their right tackle, their right tackle is, um, he, weighed, he was six, he's six, nine, six, nine and a half, 415 pounds. God. And then the guard is, uh, six, eight, 407 pounds. And we, I was, I was on the field for 58 snaps. 43 of them were double teams. Oh, by those two eight, guys. You had 800 pounds on you. Yeah, 800 every plus play. Yeah, and then you got Josh Jacobs, the running back at Alabama, hitting the hole every time. So I'm like, so you're you're banging with these dudes, throwing them down, and then bow, and then a running back comes, right? Yeah. Or yeah. like, then you play Tennessee, they got two 340 pounders. You're splitting those double teams, and then Derrick Henry's coming, 250 yeah. pounds, six four, <laughs> yes. six three, six four, 250 pounds. He's coming at it with a five yard sprint at you and trying yeah. to run through you. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Tough. You do that over and over and over again. You just like, you have this no quit mentality. Like nobody's getting like, that's why whenever you talk about like how I looked on the field, like my demeanor on the field, I, it, it was, man, it was a whole different mentality. Like yeah. I had to turn it on and it was like, I had to go to these dark places to like, yeah, these really dark places and get really angry and just think like, I just played as mad as I, and as I possibly could. Yeah. Because you have yeah. to be angry to go do that stuff. Cause it's not like, it doesn't feel good but you just trick your mind into thinking, I love this. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I right. love the pain. I love the pain. And that's right. Like, that's, that's really what took, what made me stop when to stop playing. I just like, I just didn't want to, I was coming home from practice and like, I can't even hang out with my kids cause I'm miserable. Like I'm so tired and so sore that like, I'm just getting practice to practice game to game. Right. And everything in between is just like body work and stretching and getting deep tissue massages and laying and cold tubs and, like it, that's just all you're doing. You don't have no time, any time to do anything else. And then in the off season, you're doing, you're spending the first three months of the off season trying to get your body back. Yeah. And then the yeah. next three months, I'm trying to go on trips with my wife and stuff. And it's like, dude, I gotta, like, I gotta stop. I'm done. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm burning at both ends right now. I got, I got to call it yeah. 10 years. Well, long enough. And there's, there's, there's a point that comes where in a sport like that, where you've got to make a decision on 
you know, how bad do you want to be able to do those other things that you love afterwards? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like you do, you, if you, you just had double hip surgery, you wear your body down, you, you wear your hips, your knees, your ankles and stuff like that down your back down too much. And the next thing you know, you can't get around the elk woods like you want to can't for the get rest around of your career, you know? And that's what I said. I have three degenerative discs in my low back. I had two hips. Uh, my labrums were just ripped off the bone. Oh, both of them. Yeah. Uh, dislocated both elbows. Oh, um, I've had neck. I had neck surgery in 2017. Didn't you have stenosis? Um, Didn't you have uh, some spinal stenosis? I had stenosis. It's spinal stenosis at C6, C7. My right arm com- was completely atrophied. Almost lost like use of my right arm, but I bounced back from that and kept playing. In 2013, I got, I got, um, I bruised my, I bruised my spinal cord at C1 right at the base yeah. of my brainstem. I, bru- I had a bad bruise right there. I got paralyzed on the field for, I was paralyzed for three hours. Couldn't move oh my from my God. nose down. Couldn't move any, I couldn't talk. And then I started feeling my toes and I started feeling my toes when I was in the, in the, uh, what year was that? Derek? So I, I could like 2013. I didn't realize that that even happened. Yeah. Because I played two weeks later. Oh, jeez, God, I came, I was back on the field two weeks after that, dude. How did that, how did that happen? Did you, t- did, did somebody hit you from behind? So I was like, I was playing defensive end and I'm like, I'm like going down the line and then the tight end came across and tried to cut my leg. So I like sprawled and played the yeah. cut. And I like, as I'm lifting my head up, the fullback came and just bow right in the top oh. of my head. And then I was like trying to get off the ground and it felt like I was just melting into the ground. Like I felt like my hand, like, you know, when you sit on the toilet yeah. and, and you're there for too long and then you go to stand yes. up and it feels like your legs are just like sinking yeah. into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just like melting into the ground, you know? Yeah. That's how my I whole body kids, felt. So yeah. So I just like. Safe space. Dude. Yeah. So it was <laughs> compression. Right? It was hitting on it. You got, took a hit right to the top of the head and it compressed it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And then it bruised it, it. They said that I have, they said, regardless of my size, even somebody my size, I have twice as much spinal fluid as a normal person would, would have around their spinal, spinal cord. Yeah. So I was like super lucky to even like, cause he's like, you're lucky you're able to walk. Oh my God. And your your like, size saved you. I was like, well, I feel fine. Yeah. My size is what saved me. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I feel fine. Let's, let's go. We're playing, you know, I, I, I can play. I'm yeah. Good. And then I think I played, I played almost the whole season. I was playing really good football. And that was the year they went, we went to the Super Bowl, but I did, I couldn't, I couldn't get through the Super Bowl. I had a seizure. Oh my God. Cause I wasn't getting fresh blood in my brain. Yeah, I went. I almost had a. I almost. I went. I almost went into cardiac arrest because I just seized out. I was on a. We were on a bus getting ready to go. Uh, going to the airport. We were going to play Kansas City, and it was week twelve or thirteen, something like that. I think it was week thirteen. We're going to Arrowhead to play, and we were on our way to the Denver airport. And we pulled up to the airport, and I just felt you know that uh, dehydration feeling whenever you just like feel like yeah. you're going to pass yeah. out. That's how I was feeling, and I just started dripping sweat. I was like, "What is going on?" And then I, next thing I know, I'm laying on my, I'm like laying on my back and somebody's pressing their thumb into my sternum as hard as they can. And I'm getting smacked in the face and I wake up and I like grab their hand. I was like, what are you doing? I started freaking out. And then I don't remember anything after that. I woke up 30 uh, or 42 hours later. I was like in the hospital in the ICU with the breathing tube in my throat. Oh my God. That, and, and, and they were like, dude, your heart rate was at 17 or 16 beats Jeez. a minute. Like you almost went into, we had to keep you from going into cardiac arrest. They kept sticking me with trank. So I was freaking out in there. Cause like you're, it's a fight or flight moment for like your body either 
decides to, to give yeah. up or you just keep fighting. And I just kept fighting, I guess. I was ripping IVs out of my arm and throwing nurses on the ground. And uh, when, I, when I woke up, I was tied to the bed with boxing glove things, like these like boxing gloves <laughs> on my hands. Do you ever have nightmares? Because they said I kept trying to... About any of this? Like I did, I do... I, I don't know. I did. I, I had a, when I tell you my childhood was wild, I had a wild abusive childhood and I just have learned how to like, I don't know, I guess you call it compartmentalizing. Yeah. Right. You just, I just like, it, I, it's almost like a disassociation. Like I just, it's like it happened to somebody else. Yeah. Like it didn't even happen to me. It happened to somebody else. It, wow. it was laying there without the use of anything for three hours, uh, you know, afraid that you might be paralyzed from then on out. And uh, that's, that is a scary, scary thing that, is, that it's probably one of the most scary things that could happen to it's, a person. It's, it's weird though. It's weird though. Cause as soon as I, as soon as I started feeling my, to- as soon as I could like feel the little tingle yeah. on my toes, it's, it's like this little voice in my head was like, don't worry, you're going to be fine. So like, as soon as my mouth could work, I was like goofing around and joking. And the people are like, what is wrong yeah. with this guy? You know, I'm like, Cause I, I don't know something just told me I was going to be fine. You know, like you're gonna be fine. Yeah. You'll be all right. But when you're young, you feel like you're invincible anyway. So yeah, sure. Absolutely. You're bulletproof. And I didn't have any kids or family yep. or wife yep. or any of that stuff then. So it was like, and I didn't have a big contract yet. So I hadn't made enough money to like support myself for the rest of my life, which was the, the goal, you know, and I was like, right. I was like, dude, you better like, you can't you, there's no time to feel sorry for yourself. Like you got to pick it up and go. Yeah. And uh, I came back that next I when I got out of the hospital after that seizure, and, I lost I lost like 20 pounds in two days in there somehow. Geez. I don't know how it happened. Oh my god. Uh, but they said I was like projectile vomiting all like every now. Like I just start projectile vomiting. They said I was running on just pure wow. adrenaline. They were like, I don't know how you even wow. how are you playing football? Yeah. And it was it was bad. Every time you know what a stinger is. Yeah. Like, Every time I got touched in a, every time somebody touched oh, my yeah. face and think about a defensive lineman, I'm hitting somebody every play. My arms were just like, Ding! every time. Yeah. Every single time. And I just, oh, I don't know. I just like, man. I felt like I had no option. I had to do it. You know, I just had to keep going. And I did, and I did. And then that next season I came back and played every single so, game. So that was like, your seizure was on like week 12 of, of the 2013 season. Week 13. Did, yeah. Did, did you come back after that or, or was it the, I tried to, and then I had, I tried to, and I had another seizure. Oh God. It was ended up back in the hospital. So it was like, people were like, I don't know. Is he going to make it back? Is he not going to make it back? Yeah. Like his career might be over. Yeah. And then like all these rumors were going around that I like, cause they didn't know what was going on with, they didn't take that paralyzation very serious. Right. They were like, well, what's going on with them? And I have a, my neurosurgeon was like, dude, you had a bruise at your C1. I told them not to let you play, but you wanted to play. So they let you play. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. So really what I had to do is I had to find a way to connect my mind and my body back together. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's going to sound kind of hippie, but I had, I started doing yoga. Yeah. And that's like, I, I started doing yoga and like deep meditations and stuff like that. And that like helped me like connect my mind and my body. And that's really how I pushed all that energy out. Like all that negative energy, I pushed it out and came back the next season, played every single game. And then the next year after that, won a Super Bowl nice. and awesome. got that contract that was going to take care of me forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is, that is awesome. So the, back to the parallels between bow hunting and, you know, any sport, any sport like that. And one of the things, things that awful often baffles me is that there's guys out there, they don't people out there in general that don't hold, know a whole lot about hunting, especially bow hunting. Mm -hmm. 
they don't really acknowledge it as a sport. It is a sport, you know, which blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's blows my mind. It's a sport. And some of the, uh, Daniel, I'm going to cut you off real quick. I'm going to cut you off real quick. I'm going to tell you why they think that. Because their idea of a bow hunter is some is a guy eating little Debbie's up in a tree stand, and that's <laughs> and then shooting the first thing that walks by. Yeah, that's their idea of a bow hunter. Yeah, they don't. You know why? Because they they don't educate themselves, right? So it's just like anything. If you don't know anything about it, you just start making things up in your head about it, and it's like, oh well, these guys are just out there sitting in a tree stand or sitting in a, sitting in one spot. That's not that's not bow hunting. Yeah, right. I right. might treat like even when I tree stand, I hunt from a tree saddle. So I might move to another tree halfway through the day because I just pull my I pull my sticks down. It takes me ten minutes to get down, and another ten minutes to get up another tree. Yep. Like I can't sit still that long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not sitting in the same spot all day long unless it's like I know this guy's. I know this big giant buck is coming through this area. Right. Yeah. Like I know he's coming through here. I'm gonna gut it out and do it. Right. But even then, I'm probably going to move too much. I'm going to be up there antsy and moving around too much for for him to even want to come through there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if I, that's not bow hunting to me, man. And they don't realize that Western hunting, you might, your day might start off with a 25, 2500 foot incline. Yeah. And well, in the dark. Right now, there's something to be said about knowing when to be patient and when to be aggressive. And there are times where you've just got to be patient. And for me, some of the hardest, the mentally, the most mentally challenging hunts that there are is like an antelope hunt, 120 degrees inside that ground blind. And you know that you've got to wait this buck out before he hits that water. Just a waiting game. I would rather, I would rather do a mountain goat hunt in the most extreme terrain on the planet you know, and, and be working my hardest physically than have to do that. That is tougher on me yeah. than the physical hunt. Yep. You know, it is yep. just mentally excruciating. I had that bear that I killed in Saskatchewan this year, Evan, we did a 20 hour tree stand set on that bear <sighs> because he kept skirting us. Me and my cameraman, we slept, we made the decision. He kept coming in at first light and our camp was an hour away from where this bear bait was and we couldn't get there at first light. And if we got, did get there at first light and came walking in there, we'd booger. Yeah. We decided to sleep in the tree stand. We, we harnessed ourselves up and slept hanging in those harnesses (laughs) and then woke up and got set up and just in time for him to come in and kill him. Wow. Like, those those are hard things to do. Yeah, they are. They are excruciatingly hard things to do. And it it all comes to the to the mental set, you know, and I think that, you know, one of the things that athletics always taught me is, number one, that you've always got more in your gas tank than you think you do. Yep. You know, you've always got a little bit left there. You're never completely out. You know what I mean? And number two, you've like you're talking about doing that, taking on double teams over and over and over and over and over again for that one time that it goes right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when you get your big payoff. You know what I mean? And that mental mindset when you're bow hunting, I've always found that it's getting into bow range. Isn't necessarily the hardest part of the job. It's making decisions and making them with confidence when the, the pressure is on and there is an unpredictable animal right in front of you. And I've always said, whenever I go into those situations and mentally I'm thinking you are a cougar, 
this deer is dead. Yep. And I, I, with supreme confidence that you are in big trouble, it works out. Whenever I go into the situation thinking, don't screw up, don't screw up, mm-hmm. don't screw up, I screw up. Well, and that's, that's when you put the most pressure every time, on yourself. Every time. Every single time. Yep. Every time. And I, I that's how, that's like, that's like, if it's third down, if it's, th- listen, you think when I got, if it's third down and eight, you think I'm putting my hand in the ground and thinking, oh, probably not going to get a sack this play. <laughs> yeah. No, every time I, I'm every coming. time that it's like a passing situation, I'm like, dude, I'm going to kill the quarterback. He's yeah. dying this play. I'm, yeah. I'm going to rip his head off. Like, that's how I'm thinking. Right. And it's the same thing with bow hunting. I'm like, all right, this is the time. That's why staying positive is so important. Like, cause it's so easy to like, things just go wrong. Especially like to me, the hardest hunting is white tail yeah. hunting mm-hmm. because it's a it's a game of patience and I'm so impatient. Like I'm used to like, okay, my hard work can get me to what I want. Right. And that's how Western hunting is. You, the harder you work, a lot of times the better off you're going to be, right. You can work, you can physically outwork that mm-hmm. animal. Right. Like if I physically and mentally trick him, I could do it, but a white tail, you got to wait him out. Dude, that's it. You got to wait him out. That's why I hunt white tails the way that I do. And that's, and again, Dan and I, we've had that conversation multiple times. I, I have started doing more saddle hunting like you are, Derek. But Dan and I, like, I want to control as many variables as possible. So one I can't control is the wind. It's going to do what it's going to do. But if I'm on the ground, I can come in from a different direction. If I know where the animal's bedded or if I know a habit or a routine, I can control it by being on the ground. And that's what, you know, that's what Dan and I love about decoying and, and spotting decoying stock from and the, the ground, way things like that. What you're getting ready to do yeah. in Texas, yeah. you know, it's, oh, I'm so yeah. it's a completely, they, 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 got here to, they got here last night. Awesome. They got here last night. Awesome. Awesome. And it, it's a completely different mindset. You're, you're, you're making something, you're doing something proactive to try and cause something to happen. Yep. You know what I mean? And not just sitting there watching that trail. And hoping. Yes. Yeah. You're not just hoping. I hope something happens. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 you know, there's times where it shoots me in the foot. There's times where I definitely, there was an animal that I probably could have killed if I had just taken the other, the, the ambush approach, but dude, when it works out and it works out my way and he does what I wanted him to do, the payoff, the reward is just immense, dude. It's just, it is, it is, man. Yeah. It's immense. And it is. One of those things where, you know, you lose control of your bodily functions and you, you know, your knees are shaking and all of those things. It's just the same thing that you were describing with that elk. Yeah, exactly, man. It's just, there's nothing like it. Nobody, if you've never hunted or you, people that have never hunted before, they can never understand that. And they're like, they, that's why they, their mind is blown that we like to go out and hunt animals, right? They think we're just murderers. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, man. I was like, I'm not, first of all, you have to have the the patience to let different animals walk too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like, a, like a with whitetail, right? If he's like three or four years old, you should probably let that deer walk. If you're like an older veteran hunter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably let him walk. If yeah. You're, it, unless you're hunting public land where it's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to see a deer in here again. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's but if you're relative. hunting private exactly. land. Yeah. It's all relative. But if you're hunting private land, it's like, you don't shoot the first thing that comes in there. Right. You don't shoot the, you're not shooting fawns. You're not shooting Bambi. You're not doing any of that stuff. You're, sh- you're waiting for a big, old five six seven year old deer yeah and that's what you're looking at that's what you're looking for yeah yeah um sometimes you're gonna eat tags doing that yeah mm-hmm. you're absolutely right and it, you know especially if you're hunting your own home turf you know there's the you're you're trying to protect that age class and everything like that um 
But like you said, I, I still hate it for some of these younger guys. You know, mm. when you're a young guy, you need to be hammering. You need to be shooting. Yeah. You oh. need to get experience, yeah. you know. Um, so tell us about your projects, things that you've got coming up. What are yeah. you working on now? Uh, so, so I'm working on a YouTube channel it's called Wolf Untamed. Okay. And um, so basically what I have, I have five or six hunts filmed. Um, I got a couple tur- I, I hunt everything. Like I love, to, I just love being in the outdoors regardless of if I'm killing or not, you know, like if they, they call it hunting for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They call it, if you're going to get a kill every time they call it killing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm going out there with the goal and the confidence that I'm going to kill, but a lot of times I don't, but I've had uh, six successful hunts. I got a bison hunt, uh, a free range bison down in Mexico that I got <sighs> um, a black bear on the, fr- from the ground up in, um, up in uh, the wagon hound in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, a white tail. I got a, my first white tail, my first and biggest white tail buck I killed. And in, uh, in Maryland, I got that one on film. And then I have two mule deer and an elk. Awesome. And the, and I, I had really good luck in the fall. So basically, so what we're doing is we're team, I teamed up with, uh, with go hunt. So Lorenzo and I became friends down at clay Hill spot. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just, down, I was down there doing that, that big fork, buck. Mm-hmm. I was down there hunting him. I got to meet Lorenzo and he was like, dude, I would love to be involved with anything that you're doing. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. You know? So he got me in, in touch with his production team. And uh, we're just building sponsors now. So we got some pretty, some pretty good stuff cooking with Loophold and Sika and um, uh, Trophy Line. I'm trying to get something to go going with Hoyt because that's the bow. I, I shot. I used to shoot a Matthews. I switched to Hoyt. I switched to Hoyt this year because, and I'll tell you why. Because I felt like every time I bumped that bow, it was not shooting straight. Every time I bumped it. And I was like, dude, I don't like that. If I'm Western hunting and I'm hiking and stuff, like I'm hard mm-hmm. on everything. I need a bow that is going to consistently shoot straight no matter what happens, right? Like if I drop it out of the tree or if I, you know, it falls off my, because I, I walk around with it on my neck. You know, if it falls off the back of my neck, it's not going to be all, you know, I don't have to like be all worried about that because it's the last thing you want to worry about, right? Yeah. So I did. I switched to Evan. I got in touch with Evan through a good friend of ours, Lane. Lane, Lane was like, Hey dude, you should start, you should try Hoyt. Cause I was telling him, I was like, dude, I don't trust this, this Matthews anymore. It's just not working for me. It's not getting it done. And he was, cause I, I, it was, it was so out of whack. And he put, he was like, I think you need to try this high line. Cause that's the other thing about being a long draw guys. You're, you're limited to bows. Yeah. You know, Matthews and Hoyt are really the only two companies that make a bow with a 33 inch draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God, 33. Well, so a few years back, so nice. Hoyt had a, had a major advertising mm. campaign that was surrounded around, it was based on toughness, Hoyt tough. And it's, I mean, they did some of the craziest things, the bows that you've ever seen in your life, put driving a pickup truck up on the risers and grinding them into the ground under the, under the pickup truck. Okay. Under the tires and then taking it and, and firing those bows, not, we wouldn't yeah. recommend anybody going out and doing that, but they did. Mike Looper picked the doggone bow up right out from underneath the truck when they rolled it off and he shot it. I yep. was, it was insane. But um, there's, there's something to be Dude, said about tough, toughness, we, man. It is a tough, it's tough, man. And it's like, that's the other thing. When I'm, when I'm aligning myself with a company, um, you know, we have like Kafaro, right? Like I love everything about Kafaro, right? American made mm-hmm. Tough guys that are using the stuff, like guys that rep that company, they use it and they they abuse it, and that's that's how I am. I'm not gonna like, because I'm not in it for the money. Yeah, it's not about money for me. It's about it's about like getting in with the right people to go on the right hunts and bring in different different get like uh like for example, I'm bringing it, I'm trying to bring new hunters into the game is what I'm doing. 
Yeah. Right? So I got, um, I got Travis Kelsey, who's never killed anything ever in his life. He's like, Hey dude, I'll come on a hunt with you. And I'm like, let's do it. You know, people don't know that Von Miller is a huge, a big bow hunter. Yeah. People don't know that because he doesn't put it out there, right? Because it's not popular in the mainstream. Well, and I don't like think the Kelsey's going to be very good at that. it. I don't think Kelsey's going <laughs> to be, be very terrible. good at it. I think he's, I think he's going to suck, and I'm going to love it if he sucks. <laughs> like, he's going to be terrible at it. He'll be, sorry, he will, he'll be terrible at it, but it's going to be funny. Thanks, Danny. I think Vaughn's going to be. I think Vaughn's going to be great. He's got the right mindset. He's a well, defensive he, player. Well, he already is. A, he already is, man. He hunts axis with, with his bow. So, like, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. You know, hunting axis with your bow is not easy. So, you know, he, he's a big bow hunter. Um, DeMarcus Ware. Uh, we've got a couple country <laughs> artists up, like man. Michael Ray. Shut up, Evan. Uh, for those of you that, that can't see what I'm doing, I'm doing the, uh, the, the arrowhead the, shop over here. So The, the tomahawk. So, yeah, obviously I'm from Kansas, uh, went yeah. to school in, in Kansas city. So, but I, I am a Colorado transplant, Danny, you know that. Yes. I know so, that. I know that. <laughs> one of my, one of my best friends in the world just got, just signed, just signed with Kansas city. His name is Brandon yeah. Williams. We call him big baby. He's a big hunter too. And yeah. he is a giant, really An absolute giant. Yeah. He's like six, three, like 340 pounds of solid muscle. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 He's a Missouri boy. He's a, yeah, he's cool as hell. Like he's one to, of my, he's one of my closest friends. Like uh, the to see him in the saddle. City, Joe Collin. <laughs> oh, he's not getting in a tree. Not a chance. He <laughs> hates it. He won't do it. He likes to gun hunt. He don't even like shoot a bow. Yeah. Yeah. He's well, a gun hunter. He don't even like shoot a bow. That's he's from You'll Missouri. Crossbow. You'll convert him. I can't, I've been trying to for years, man. He just won't do it. He's like, ah, it's not fun, man. He's like, I like being able to shoot him. He's like, something about shooting him from a, a distance is just fun and, to him. And, and honestly, like, yeah. It is initially, right? Like if I can see him, I can, I can shoot him. but there's just something about when they're right down below you and oh, you're staring at him or you're eye best. to eye. So yeah, when you're, when you are shaking so bad, you can hardly draw your the mental sometimes. focus, the mental focus you have to have when you're at full draw. Oh yeah. Like, okay. Anchor, right? Like I got to anchor, anchor it. Right. And look through my peep and then it's like, all right. And then if it's like low light, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't really see him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can see my pins, but I can hardly see him. He's in the shadows. It's like, you have to make that choice. Do I let this thing fly or not? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, being an ethical hunter is like, you know, I, I sat here all day from sun up to sun down. And now he's here and I can't see him. Yep. Yeah. But you have to yeah. make that choice, like not to do it because you're just going to wound him and scare, or you're going to nick him and scare him off or, you're gonna yeah. hit a blow, or you're gonna hit him in a brisket, and he's gonna be gone. And that, yeah. and now he's never gonna come yeah, back. And you don't you do that. He might go off and die somewhere. He might not come back if he does survive. And either way, you are never gonna see or get to get to hunt him again. Yeah, never. So, yeah, I'd rather have a clean miss. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have a clean miss and not know what happened. You remember my clean miss a couple of years ago in Iowa, Evan, where I tested the Hoyt Tough uh-huh. <laughs> through my bow twice. Like a freaking Olympic discus. <laughs> this dude hit the ground. There. And I walked up to it. My cameraman's yelling at me, Danny, on, stop it. On yeah, film. Professional. I picked it up and on, it again. on <laughs> film. 180 100, plus inch whitetail. Oh, it still bothers me. But the incredible thing was I picked oh. up, I killed a big, I, I killed a big 12 point two days later yep. with that bow after I hucked it like a discus. Yep. We had a guy with that that bow tough that we did. I think he was in 
I think he was in Pennsylvania and I don't know, I don't remember what he was doing, but he was out doing food plots and why he had his bow with him at the time. I, I still don't know. Ran his bow over with the tractor he was planting food plots with, picked it right up and shot it. No issues. Ooh. Didn't see that's insane. Yeah. So it's, it's insane to think about because think about the moving parts that are going on with a bow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like your cams and your, well, now that now they got like the limbs have like four different parts for the limb. Like it, it's just, it's crazy. All the stuff that's going on. When you look at the evolution from 1990 to now. Oh yeah. yeah. Like think There's about it. You know, I remember, I remember when I was a kid seeing the bows as a kid, you know, I was born in 90. So when I was like four or five years old, seeing the, the compound bows, I was like, man, these things are crazy looking. And now I'm like, these are from the future, man. These are like, what is it? The Jetsons? Like this stuff is crazy looking. Knowing yeah. the site, they got, they have rain, sites that range for you. Like what is going on here? Mm. You know, it's so cool to me that, that we've come to, come this far, you know, and uh, you know, states like Colorado, you can't use any kind of like mechanical site, you know, any kind of electric site, any of that stuff. But you know, if you're down in Texas and you could just hunt all year round shooting pigs and stuff, why not have something like that? You yeah, know, and having a tough bow, having a tough bow is the most important, like you could, okay, you do everything right. And then you draw back and your bow's not shooting right. Cause you smacked it off a couple, like, dude, sometimes I'm like a bull moose walking through there with that thing on my neck, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, trying to, you know, sneaking through there and it's, there's no sneaking. Yeah. Just cracking limbs and being loud. And, well, and I like, I, that's the I, great I, part about elk hunting is you can kind of do that. I yeah. take a major digger at least once a year, every, every elk hunt that I ever go on, I take at least one digger during that hunt. And it may be on top of my bow. The bow might get thrown clear or whatever, but I'm, and part of the reasons I'm never looking at my feet, I'm always out here looking on the horizon, you know, and when you're in steep terrain, if you're not watching where you're stepping, eventually you're going to, and I take these diggers every year. Yeah. So it is important to me to have the toughest site out there, to have the toughest bow out there. Um, It's, it's extremely important. And even arrows, right? Like I don't want my arrows to be flimsy and and like fragile, right? Yeah. Brittle arrows. Like I, I was shooting those uh, those black eagles, those rampages, but they just were kind of brittle. And like I, I just noticed that if I dinged them off of stuff, they would kind of they they chip. They get like these little chips in them. Hmm. I was like, man, I don't like this. So I was I switched to those uh, those TKOs, and they just they're tough. They're tough as nails, man. Yeah. There's no problem. Well, you're shooting. You know, so freaking, it's just like he's shooting telephone poles. Uh, uh, I Evan. say that you guys shoot rebar at 33 inch, 80 pounds. I know, like, dude. Geez, God did you almighty. see the? Did you see the video I posted of me shooting shooting that mule deer? No, I, I missed. I, on my I missed that one. I put it on my. It was on my story. I oh, posted it to my story. That's why I, I didn't see it. The, of of four, yeah, four But it, it was a seventy. It was a seventy-one yeah. yard shot. Yeah. And it take him through and through. Is it on there right now? Yeah, it should be. Let me see. There's a football one. Let me see. No, it's not on there right now. And for those of you that want to find Derek uh, on Instagram, it's Derek Wolf with an E at the end, underscore 95. Derek, I've got to tell you, dude, like my favorite. Oh, we're watching the video right now. Oh my gosh. Let me show you. I'll show you the picture of it through bloodbath. What broadhead are you running? I was running a kudu on that one. I shot my elk with a uh, sever though. I like those. Mm. I don't usually, I don't like mechanicals very often. 71 yards through both shoulders. Wow. Yeah. 
That's the benefits of shooting telephone you, poles. And if you look at the mass on this guy and this deer, like this deer was huge, man. Like, look at the mass. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big, like you see my hands. Yeah. Like, yeah. My hands are big, man. I can't get them around. His this is guys. This is wow. a, this is a, this is a, it's, a, it's 11 inches. It's 11 and a half inches from here to here. Yeah. The, it's a, it's yeah, a, I mean, he's, he's got, a, he's got Orcasaurus. an extra on his right side. That is that like what? Five inch, five inch extra. Derek. Yeah. That yeah. Little and four. I mean, this, this Forky has got to score 140 inches. He's big. He's insane. Well, that's what, so Clay, Clay, Clay Hill was like, Hey man, this might be like a, a state record fork buck. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, he, you know, I didn't even score him, but he's dude, he is absolute giant. And it's just funny. Cause like, you know, this elk, this elk scored three fifteen as a yeah. five. Yeah. He looks, he doesn't look huge. Cause, uh, cause I'm you because know, I'm you're just, six because bigger. Six you got and, a monster yeah. behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like when I'm packing them out. Right. So like, this is one of my favorite pictures of all time. Like I just, I love this picture, but look how little the antlers look on my back. Yeah. Oh yeah. So this is a picture of Derek hauling his, it, it's on his Instagram page. It's the him hauling that elk out on his back. And he's just, he's, he's very large. It looks like it's a 270 inch, you know, yeah. public land over the counter five. Yeah. Dink. It looks like a dink bowl. It looks like a little dink bowl out there. <laughs> <laughs> but he was huge, man. He was a giant. Well, like a giant five by man. He was so cool. when his mass, is, I got his mass is like your forearms. It's just insane the whole yeah. way out, dude. And I'm I'm looking at the photo of that of that big forky that you have on your Instagram page. And God Almighty, he is tall, tall, tall. Mm-hmm. And you sh- and listen, he he weighed almost four hundred pounds. Holy smokes! The processor thought it brought in a cow elk. I'm dead serious. He was like, he was like, shot a cow, huh? I was like, no, that's a, that's a, that's a mule deer. He's like, no way. He's like, he's like, listen, man, 20 years of processing down here. This is the biggest mule deer I've ever seen. Wow. Jeez. Well, it's and he crazy. was like nine years old. He was like was, a nine year old. I was going to say, deer. did we, did we look at age on him and see where he was at? But yeah, that. Yeah. He was like nine years old. Wow. Big old gnarly that, buck. That's mature right there. Like really he was so smart, dude. He hung that was the closest I was gonna get to him. That was 71 yard. I had I, I drew back and he was at 90. I was gonna let one fly at 90. Hmm. But he just kept coming. And I was like, I was like, well, he's gonna go into these willows, so I'm gonna stop him right mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, and just let it go at 71 yards. Boy, it's neat when you watch him. That's why having somebody that behind you that can range is good. Fall yeah. right in. Because if I had it let down, it would have been over. Or if you're in a state that allows well, that man. Garmin, all you got to do is hit the button and <laughs> I got him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a huge, it's, it's huge. If you can use it, Yep. You can't use it here in Colorado, yep. you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a giant deal. Oh man. Derek. Yeah, I bought one and I bought one and gave it to, gave it away to a, a veteran, Omar Avilia. I gave it, I gave it to him because he's down in Texas and he's shooting pigs and stuff all the time. And I was like, here, you can have it, man. Like, I'm never going to use this thing. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to use it if you get. You're going down to Texas here real soon, right? That's your next deal, right? Yeah, but I don't want to. If I if I start relying on that thing and, then and you I don't, come out here, yeah, I'm, you know what true. I mean. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to have to. I don't want to get used to using it and, and rely on it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm doing some spot and stock in the South Texas. They should be rutting pretty hard. I'm going to yep. use that that predator decoy, and it's going to be 
a stalker decoy. I'm so fired you, up. You better be, I can't be careful because when you get one to come in and commit, he is coming and you are shooting in self-defense. I've said it multiple times. <laughs> when they commit, just you're either having to throw that down and stand up or you're going to have to take the shot. You won't have an, you won't get the option. <laughs> that's, I, that's what Danny said. He was like, I hey, had man, one scare me. When they decide year. they're coming. Yeah. When they decide they're coming, they're coming, man. And they're ready to fight. And it, did you see that video of that white tail chasing that bull, that bull elk yeah. around? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Was, trying to fight that bull elk. Yeah. That was, uh, was that in Texas? Wasn't it? Wasn't that a Texas buck on a, yeah, I think on a so. ranch down there? I think so. Yeah. Whitetails are just aggressive, man. Dude, and it's, uh, oh yeah, they're aggressive. They're terribly aggressive. Walking around grunting all day. Well, you got a lot of places you know, out here in the West that have mule deer that have been pushed out by whitetails because when they come in, they're just freaking nuts. Yep. When they're when they're yep. in yeah. the run. I used to, I used to be able to get into mule deer I'll at home in what, thirty man. minutes, and I can't do it anymore. I've got to go hour, hour and a half. Yeah, the um, the eastern plains of Colorado. There's some giant whitetail. No, there's not. Some absolute. No, there's not. Giant studs. Shut the f up, Derek. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Dude, I'm, oh yeah, yeah. Never mind. There's not no whitetails. No, it sucks. Deer don't exist in the state. Sucks. Deer don't exist in the state of Colorado <laughs> or Kansas. People, it just it not worth no, it. They're they're in Kansas. Kansas. No, no. Derek can confirm. There's no deer. There's no deer here. There's no elk here. There's no mule deer. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right, I, right, but right before I went home, predators. You can hunt predators. Right, right before I went home, before Halloween, I get this message from Derek, and he's like, "There's no deer in this state." He goes, "There's not a single deer in Kansas. I haven't seen anything." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yep, you are oh, exactly shoot. right." And the more people you tell, the better off it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dude i i got my butt kicked in kansas for seven days straight because it was just the way i seen some giants like some big 180s i had a one i had this 180 inch buck three days in a row skirted me three Ugh. days in a row but he just kept using he was using a neighbor's property yeah to like skirt this like finger you know right off the edge of this field but they weren't rutting because he was hanging out with another buck that was like this other buck he was with was like 145 150 because well, you were there what, you know? third week in october like, dude, no, I was in November, second week of November. Oh wow! Oh, you went back? Wow. Yeah. No, that's when I was there. It was the second week of November. Yeah. Oh, I'd already been and come back. Yeah. Okay. It was bad, man. I couldn't okay. remember if it was before I went out there the first time or if it was in between. And then trips. the last day of the hunt, the last day of the hunt, I was like, okay, I hate sitting in blinds. I just don't like doing it because I'm big and it's. <laughs> you never told me about this. So I sat all <laughs> sun up to sundown. It's like 45 minutes before dark. And here comes a buck. Like he's like a, he's a nice buck. You know, he's a four and a half year old deer. I don't know what he would have measured. Maybe 140, 150, like 145, maybe. And he wasn't a 150 for sure, but he was like 140, 145, probably like a 135, whatever. But he was gonna get it. Like he was he was done. And I go to full I go to draw my bow back and I can't get it all the way back because the, <laughs> I'm too big for the blind. Like it was a plastic blind. It was like the plastic circular blind. And I'm like, and I'm like laying on top of my camera guy. Like oh. I'm like holding the boat, trying to hold it sideways oh. like this. Like I'm doing yeah. everything I possibly can, but I can't get it back. And then I finally get it back and I can't get, I can't use my thumb release because I can't get my elbow to go backwards. Oh, so man. I just let it down, man. And I was like, I let it down. And he like just stood there and stared at me. And I was like, I like scared him off. And then I was like, come on, let's go out here and start rattling and grunting and try to get him to come in. Oh. And we did, and we had him come in at 80 yards, and he just, just stood there and stared at me. I was like, yeah, I'm, and then he blew at us and took off, and that was the end of the hunt. <laughs> Seven days of hell. <laughs> it was bad, man. And it, and if they would have oh, – it was yeah. the way it was is if the if the windows would have just been, like, yeah. up higher, 
Yeah. I could have stood up all yeah, the way that's, and like that's came hard. down, you know, I got an angle. But the way the the way that the windows are is designed for you to just come straight back, you know? And yeah. I could did I couldn't shoot him. I was so mad. I you never yeah. I was so mad. My camera my camera guy was like, I'm gonna yeah. give you a second before I put this camera on you. I was like, all right. You should you should reach out to Rhino Blinds and be like, hey, yeah, I have a design proposal for you. It wasn't designed for NFL defensive linemen. It wasn't enough. Yep. I was so yep. mad, man. Yeah, it was designed for it was designed for guys like Danny and me. Little, no. little dinosaur arms. Not at all. Yeah. Hey, I am proud of my 28 inch draw. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, it's been great having you on here, Derek. I got to tell you, like my favorite <laughs> Derek Wolf moment of your NFL career was um, during the Super Bowl against Carolina. I hated Cam Newton. I hated him. Me too. And it was the best. It was the best game that I've that I've ever watched because I got to watch him like really whine a lot. Uh, and he spent a lot of time on his back and you hit, I don't think you sacked him. You hit him in the end zone after right after he let a pass go. And I just remember he had a conniption because he thought it, he thought it should have been rough in the pass or something, but you hit him right as he was letting the pass go. And then you just, you landed on him with everything you had. And Oh Yeah. Me and oh yeah, we bounced on the ground. Yes, twice. it was like me boom, and my boom, family and slid and his literally like hit our feet. We were like, "Take that, you so and so," you know. And it was an awesome, awesome moment. And it's kind of surreal for me to have you on here talking to you about bow hunting, man. It's pretty cool. That's my new passion, man. I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. I'm addicted to it. It's like I'm full blown addict. You know, my wife's like, "How many of these?" I, that's why I had to find a way for it to. Yeah. Uh, create some income because if not i'm not i if it doesn't create any, any kind of income or pay for itself she's going to shut it down well <laughs> you know, it's like you know she's like she's like listen these are getting expensive these tags are expensive you know and i was like i know she's like she's like well why don't you well, she, it was her idea she's like why don't you do a we YouTube can do a whole see if people like watching it and i was like all right and i started filming it and i was like you know what man watching these are so much fun you know and i wanted to just be hunt, some of these hunting shows are just so boring man like I want my personality to be on there. I want you to see the ups and downs and the the funny times and the the camaraderie of a of a yeah. hunt camp, right? Like that's the other part that I love about it is the camaraderie. You know, it's just a yeah. bunch of guys, you know, like minded dudes that are out for the same thing. You know, yeah. no, there's no there's no real competition with each other. We're just having a good time. Well, I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to do well at it, man. You've got the gift of gab. You're you're you know you're hosting a radio show here in Denver. And the other day when me and you were just, yeah, one Oh four, three, the we just jumped on the phone the other day and me and you were talking, I had no idea that you were doing that. And I, I said, what, what the hell's wrong with our offense? And Derek starts like throwing out like stats and all this. I, I did not know that he is dealing with this every day. Still, you know what I mean? I had no idea uh, who I was. He knew exactly what was wrong with our offense and what exactly where it ranked over the last 15 years and all this stuff, you know? And I listened to part of uh, one of your shows the other day and man, you do a great job on there. You do fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's it, the great part about it is I don't have to be right. <laughs> you know, I don't have to be right. Everything I say, is just like opinion. You know, yeah. it's just my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I like to say I have a PhD in football and, you know, so, well, that's, that's why I like coming on shows like this. Cause I always learn something from you, from like, from other hunters, right? Like older, especially like older hunters, guys that have been doing it a lot longer and a lot and, and more than me, even guys that are younger than me that do it more to get to do it more than sure. me. I'm always trying to like retain that information and, and remember it. Right. 
Um, you know, like I, I, I was talking about Snyder, right? Cause Snyder like geeks out when he starts talking to me about this stuff, yeah. right? He was like, Hey man, you know what you should do? Have your wife go down range from where you're shooting your arrows and see how loud your arrows are. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I bet she'll do that. I could just see him sending his wife down. He was to like, do that, this dude. mule deer will jump the string. And I'm like, do that. I was like, you're nuts. He's like, yeah, I'll have my wife go do that. And I'm like, you're nuts. Yeah, man. yeah Amy is Amy is pretty <laughs> relaxed about that kind of thing. Lisa Ferris ain't gonna go out there and listen to my damn arrows. Yeah. Um she's gonna hand him a microphone and, so you go record. And it that sounds yourself. like Abby ain't going to either. <laughs> No, not a chance. Not a chance. We could do a whole nother podcast on how to on 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 how to keep your wife from eventually seeing your passion as your your other passion as the other woman, because that is a problem that happens right. eventually. <laughs> and I don't care what your passion is, whether it's bow hunting, fishing, golfing, whatever it is there, whatever that thing is that you are really passionate about, passionate about outside of family, eventually your wife is going to butt heads with that passion. <laughs> and, oh yeah. It's, yep. it's competition. Uh, right? it, yes. It is another, it's, it's the other woman and it, they're always going to be very concerned with whether you love that other woman as much as you love her. And it, it, <laughs> dude, there's, there's a science to getting through that, man. And sometimes it takes counseling. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. Um, you got to finesse the situation. Yeah, a darn bit, right, know? man. You talk about knowing when it's, to be it's patient, take, though, man. I'm, things like that. Well, I'm super I'm super grateful that I have a wife that like understands that it's this is really good for my mental. Yeah. And keeps me like on a level playing field. Right. Right. Because if, if when I start getting out of whack, you know, it's like. You know, I hate to like use a cliche, like a Ted Nugent cliche, you know, but like it, it does, it calls you, right? Like it's like yeah. the, the, the woods are like calling me, right? Like it's like, I, I've got to get out there, yeah. especially yes. in September and November, man. Like when you know the, when you know the elk are rutting and you know, the white tail are rutting, it's like, you, you, I, I don't know. It's like this weird, it's like in my DNA, it's like, it's calling me. It wants me. I got to get out there. Right. Yeah. It's like this, this primal part of me is like, Come on, get out there. Yeah. Come on, you got to go. Who cares about anything yeah. else? Forget forget everything else. <laughs> Nothing else matters but killing this deer. You know, so it's like sometimes you got to put that like control that, you know, that that primal side. Yeah. And it's difficult it is, but I, but I am I'm super grateful and blessed to have a wife that like understands that. Yeah. You know, and so she gives me that time. Yeah. To myself like if i as long as i put it on the schedule and give her a heads up she's cool with it you know? that's awesome and it's you know and then i let her go do her things and then we do our things together and that's kind of how we how we do it and then when you have kids you gotta try to find a way to mingle that all together and it's if it was up to me we'd live out in the middle of nowhere yeah. i'd hunt every day yeah you know yeah we live down in south texas somewhere and i'd just be killing pigs and hunting every day mm -hmm. axes deer whatever you know it's like that's not that's not her speed. It's all a balancing act, man. It's all a balancing act, like everything else in life. Yep. yep. Well, man, like I said, it was great having you. We'll we will definitely have you again, Derek. You, you man, you're a good conversation, and yeah, uh, I, dude, you're gonna you're gonna do good things in the hunting industry, man. You got a good attitude. You got a good uh, uh, good persona, good personality. Um, I'm sure that you're gonna be good on camera, except for making those deer look tiny. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only bad part but man it's all about angles we gotta hit them right that's angles, right, right dude that's right and, and well, watch the arm stretches because it, it'll make you look even farther away yeah, yeah, yeah. hold them way yeah, out yeah here. yeah we're excited to see what you do though brother thanks for coming on today thanks for having me boys oh we appreciate it
All right. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Look Derek up on Instagram, Derek Wolf 95. And then, uh, and, and what was the name of the YouTube channel again? Wolf Untamed. Watch for it. Hey, hey, hey.